Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. Sydney, happy belated Valentine's Day. Oh, thank you, love. I mean, I wished you happy Valentine's Day on the day, but you did, you did. You not only wished me happy Valentine's Day, you got me a Valentine and candy, well, chocolate. Yeah, uh, not candy. I don't know. Was it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I th- you I make don't know the what call. You would it's classify it. So it was. It was wonderful. Justin had delivered to me a. a platter of chocolate covered oreos and nutter butters and graham crackers and pretzels it's really hard once you're married to buy chocolate for the other person because especially if you're like trying to watch what you eat because you're basically saying like well this is at our house for a while now now you have this to contend yeah, with. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not going to eat all of that no that would, so i'm going to have to jump in there and i'll feel obligated to to help out do my part you know, it's always nice, too, is my dad has gotten me a heart-shaped box of chocolates every Valentine's Day for as long as I've been allowed to eat chocolate. That's sweet. Yes. That's nice. I got to do that for Chuck when she's... I mean, now would not be good. No, don't give her chocolate now. She's six months old. She can't eat chocolate. I... The... the, the I, I have... We have been eating a considerable amount of chocolate, though. I'll be honest. Despite my best efforts. Well, you know, that's not completely bad for you. Oh, yeah? There are some possible small health benefits to chocolate, or at least people have thought so for a long time. So you're saying it's a health food, No, and I'm crushing no, it. No, I'm not saying chocolate is a health food. I'm going to say that several this times, I think. This one weird food will make you live 20 years longer. Nope. It mm-hmm. is chocolate. No. Check it out. No, that's not what you're going to get if you click on that link on Facebook. I don't know, actually. I don't know what you're going to get. Probably Garcinia Cambogia, probably. I don't know. How is, I haven't clicked on in, it. Uh, what makes chocolate the world's greatest health food, Cindy? Okay, it's not, but let's let's talk about chocolate. Um, because for, for a long time now, not just currently, but for a long time, we thought that it was uh, a medicine of sorts. Mm-hmm. And before I get into this, I want to thank Adam for recommending this topic. Thanks, Adam. He thought it would be a good Valentine's Day topic, and we're close enough it's there-ish. It's after. We're still within the, I don't know, perimeter yeah. of Valentine's yeah. Day. Um, so people have been, first of all, chocolate goes back a long time. Sure. Aztecs. Largely when we talk about early uses of chocolate, we're mainly talking about it as a drink. Um, people would 
take, you know, the cocoa beans and then crush them and add like hot water. And there was some sort of like, it's kind of like hot chocolate drink mm-hmm. or cold, sometimes a cold chocolate drink, but something, but a beverage. Right. So largely as we're talking about chocolate in ancient times and then throughout history, we're mainly talking about drinking chocolate. And then I'll tell you when we start switching to other forms. Mm-hmm. It dates back as far as 600 B.C., and as you kind of alluded to, it was mainly in the Americas first. Right. So in Mexico and in Central America, um, they, it, it actually reached Europe because Cortes brought it back after visiting the native peoples there and discovering this amazing brown gold, as it was sometimes called. Brown gold. Which, personally, I like chocolate a lot, so I think I would call gold like yellow chocolate. <laughs> I mean, given the choice between the two. Slide a little bit of that yellow chocolate on my <laughs> finger, my man. We are getting hitched. I'd, I'd rather have that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it, in the early American cultures, it was a very precious drink. It wasn't something that um, you or I would probably have access to. We aren't fancy enough. No, we are not. We are, we are of not not of high enough stature. Um, Montezuma drank it, mm-hmm. famous for the revenge. Sure. Um, of revenge fame. <laughs> he drank it before sex to give him energy and stamina because it was thought to to provide both of those things. Yeah, that worked. Uh, and it, you, huh? know, you know, uh, they say chocolate is the food of love. <laughs> We're quoting the room now. Could be a good episode. Mm-hmm. I like where we're going. Um, in general, it was seen as a strengthening drink. That it was, it would give you a lot of vigor. Yes, and for that reason, it was not suitable for women and children. <laughs> Only for men, right? Who needed to be strong. You give and women tough. and children too much stamina. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't. They're going to not be oppressed by men. I guess, that but that, that's been our secret this whole time, man. It's been <laughs> chocolate. Keeping, if you, if you're. Keeping women and kids away from chocolate. Keeping women and children away from chocolate, you've done a really bad job. I think chocolate is primarily marketed to women and children. Yeah. It fixes every problem women have, according to Dove commercials. Yeah. That's not true, but that's okay. Um, if you drank too much chocolate, it could make you deranged, or at least that was the thought. Now, drinking too much could make you deranged, or so it was thought. But too, too much vigor, too much vim. Yes, you just get like so much energy. Uh, we'll flip a table. But in moderation, it was invigorating, invigorating, and you could use it for anything: angina, dysentery, dental problems, indigestion, constipation, fatigue, hemorrhoids. It cured kidney disease. Didn't. No. But they used it for all those things. We have evidence that it was used for all of these Sometimes things. Sometimes you get a little carried away and you, you forget your your uh, old-timey, um, well, didn'ts. I guess you could call them the didn'ts, where you <laughs> say they didn't do this. And instead, That's you get true. so swept up in the mythos that you say that they did. <laughs> it did all this stuff. It didn't. No, no. it didn't. And and it was very much seen, I think, in, in these cultures as like a spiritual thing. It was this um, amazing tasty beverage <laughs> that probably made you healthy in a lot of ways. It wasn't formalized until uh, it was brought over to Europe, probably in the 16th century. Um, first uh, via Spain. It was Cortez brought it back to the King of Spain. 
And then they, as it spread throughout Europe, people began to see it in light of the what was then the system of medicine, the four humors. Right. Uh, so just to review, because I, we kind of reference it a lot, but I don't think we've talked about the four humors for a while. Mm-hmm. So Have we done a four humors episode? We've never done an episode we just on the four should. humors. So just in general, we used to think that all medicine was the result of, um, or all medicine was based on the idea that the human body had four different fluids in it, basically. Uh, Blood, black bile, yellow bile, and phlegm. And if you had all of those things in the proper balance, you were healthy, and if they got out of balance, you got sick. So it's it's pretty much the gist of it. Got it. Now, what went along with that was also this belief that people had different, like, climates, individual people had different climates? Well, depending on what age you were. So, for instance, babies and little kids were hot and humid. Young adults were hot and dry. Adults were cold and dry. And old people were cold and humid. And when you get your humors out of balance, these these natural climates get get out of whack. And then you need to eat or drink something that's kind of the opposite in order to balance it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like when you get too many pretzels, you get a little bit of a dry mouth, and you need something to balance it out, like a frosty soda. I'm sorry. Do you mean peasels? Peasels. You salt somebody salted us some peasels, and you got a frosty episode to just wash it all down. <laughs> it, that's similar. That's similar, a, that's right? Fair. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, that's generally because cocoa was seen as cool and dry, and it would ward off hot, humid conditions. It works in those York peppermint patty commercials from from way back when. That's true. They make it sound like like eating something with chocolate in it is a very crisp, cool, refreshing. Yeah. And it's, I mean, nothing against York peppermint patties. Like I like them. I don't think. I mean, it's refreshing. I don't think like they're it's ever chocolate. big enough. It's candy. I need one the size of a dinner plate because they're so thin. <laughs> I feel like I'm not eating anything ever. It doesn't matter how big they are either. No. You can get one of those big ones. It's like, what did I just do? That wasn't a candy bar. You know, like you, you just get put it in a shape that I understand. When you say you need one the size of a dinner need plate, one the size of a dinner plate to be for it to be satisfying. Okay, I think you'd feel awful. I get the sensation, but I want <laughs> the the other sensation of being full from a York peppermint patty. <laughs> you'd get the sensation that you were going to spend the rest of the day throwing up. No, I would. I'd feel great, so refreshed. Woo, like. Whizzing down a mountain slope on ice and snow. Nobody, and skis. nobody has eaten a York peppermint patty the size of a dinner plate and felt like skiing afterwards. Nobody better have ever eaten the size a uh, York peppermint patty the size of a dinner plate. Period. Because nobody called me about it to say, "Jay, man, you got to get up in this." And I've made my desire to eat a giant York peppermint patty very clear. Okay. Well, now everyone knows. So, so the word is out. P.O. Box 54, <laughs> West Virginia, 25706. If you come across Please a don't. giant York peppermint patty the size this. of a dinner plate, so I can be satisfied. Please do not do this. Thank you. Okay, so you could just take chocolate alone, cocoa alone, mm-hmm. uh, or you could add different things to it depending on what sickness you had. So alone for instance um you would make your your cocoa beverage your chocolate and it could treat liver disease or Mm -hmm. breast issues in general or stomach problems so that's a big list Mm -hmm. Uh, if you add gum to it you can stop diarrhea Mm -hmm. if you add corn and vanilla and then make a paste out of it and 
then put it on you or maybe eat it. I'm not sure. Then then it's an aphrodisiac. I'm going to guess eat it because if you're covered in corn chocolate vanilla paste, well, I don't know. Okay, that's depending a on what, you, what you're into, that's maybe. Okay. Uh, it, there's a bunch of other like herbs and plants you could mix it with and it would it would fatten people up and chocolate was generally seen that way uh throughout the throughout the centuries was if somebody was like sickly and and thin and you know had something that was causing them to waste away chocolate was a good food for them it would fatten them up but you gotta go by how you feel right yeah so sometimes you, you feel like a nut in your chocolate and sometimes you you don't Right. <laughs> right. I think this probably predates almond joys. Okay. But not mounds. Mounds were mounds, definitely around. Mounds at this are ancient. Point. Most um, mounds you see were made in the dark ages. You can find all kinds of recipes for for your health chocolate, for your you med- know, medicinal chocolate. Just friggin' scroll Pinterest. You're gonna hit fifteen of them. <laughs> Use this ancient chocolate blend to help cure depression. Uh, yes, I'm on to you, but thank you. Do appreciate the effort. <laughs> One that I found and this is a great recipe. This is specifically for people who are sick, but not with a fever. So if they have some sort of illness, but not one that has a fever, careful. You could use cocoa, sugar, cinnamon, vanilla, cloves, uh, anise, chili powder, and serve it as a warm drink. And you could also add almonds if you wanted to. So wait, sometimes <laughs> if you feel like a nut. Okay. The thing is, that's, I mean, that sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds restorative, I would say. So I mean, except for the anise. Yeah, Ugh, I know you don't. You keep don't dig it. That. But this sounds like a delicious spicy chocolate drink. Yeah, like this is this would be great. I can see why you would want to drink this. And curative too. It's the and, other thing. And the part of the reason that the view of chocolate as as something that was medicinal was very important as it flourished, you know, in, in different countries in Europe, mm-hmm. because religious groups started denouncing it pretty quickly. Chocolate was seen as something um, decadent. It it did because uh, largely because people tended to add things like sugar to it. Mm-hmm. It could make you invigorated. It it was seen as something connected to like you know sexual feelings. Uh, so it would encourage sinful impulses. Was the fear? So if you just drank it without having to for a medicinal reason, you were seen as as kind of being sinful or as giving in to a sinful impulse. So you needed a doctor to prescribe it to you in order to get away with it. It's like, I don't know, marijuana? Right. It's medicinal chocolate. It was medicinal chocolate. No, no, no. It's cool. I have glaucoma. I have a license (laughs) for this chocolate. I got a prescription. So as a result of this, doctors expanded its use to everything it was a diuretic uh, meaning it would make you pee it was an expectorant so it would you know make you cough or you know break stuff up mm-hmm. um if you mixed it this is probably a less favorable recipe if you mixed it with ground human skull oh. uh musk and ambergris that's what's in the whatchamacallit then so it, now you know there's your answer <laughs> Those the ingredients of a whatchamacallit. We, we, those are not, in fact, the ingredients of a whatchamacallit. Whoever makes that, please don't sue us. Uh, but What's this, ambergris? So ambergris is, oh, this is gross. It's a waxy substance that is produced in the digestive tract of sperm whales. And yeah. it, it was largely used as um, a perfume base, like a fixative for perfume. Uh, nowadays, we usually don't use that. We use synthetic things, but you still could use it for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wanted to mix that with some human skull musk and 
chocolate, that would be good for hypochondria. <laughs> Largely because I think if they, if you gave somebody this, they'd go, I'm not ever sick again. I'm never, I'm fine. Nope, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said I was sick. Um, as it spread throughout Europe, there were three main areas, and I kind of alluded to this, that it was used in, in medicine. There, it was weight gain for the sickly. It stimulated the nervous system. So for people who felt like fatigued or just kind of puny, wimpy people, um, and it improved your digestion. Uh, or as one, I like this one quote from a French doctor. Therefore, the use of chocolate is salubrious. It excites and strengthens with its warm, mild juiciness, the bowels inborn warmth and strength. It helps digestion. It fosters the spread of food and the secretion of the unnecessary. It accumulates fat. It is not an enemy to the brain. It is Venus's friend and very suitable for body and soul. That's nice. That, you couldn't fit all that in a wrapper, but it's nice. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I think, you know, some of that, I, yeah, sure. I think chocolate is very suitable for body and soul. Yeah. Um, the Grand Duke Ferdinando de Medici found it great for flatulence, so which he felt the need to record for for his scribe, so we can all know that now. Write this down. Uh, there was uh, this this great spread of chocolate over, you know, over the the continent of Europe. Um, there was finally some pushback against it when it hit Florence, and it hit Florence in a big way. Flor the. Flor, Florin, Florinians? Floridians. Flo <laughs> Floridians? Floridians. I know, it's hard <laughs> I think to believe. That's Florida. Italians. Um, yes. We're way into chocolate. Um, and in the 18th century, there was a doctor there, Dr. Giovanni Battista Felici, also known as the Great Chocolate Accuser. Ugh, that is what a distinction that is. And he thought. Uh, cocoa basically he, he didn't think it was medicine and part of his reason is he thought it was mislabeled i kind of said that it was seen as a cold dry substance and so in the humoral mm -hmm. system of medicine it would be used for hot things well he thought it was mislabeled and that it was a hot substance and especially because we tended to drink it hot and we added all of these spices to it and sugar and whatnot and so as a result if you drank a lot of it it would ferment your blood and then your blood would spoil and I don't know what that means, but it would be bad, probably, if yeah. your blood spoiled. Um, so he started you know, accusing chocolates or the chocolate inquisition. Um, there was a guy in Florence who who worked at a coffee shop, uh, Francesco Zetti, who his his name, he was known as the hunchback of Pannone. Why is that? Because that was the coffee shop he worked at and he was a hunchback. <laughs> so not super clever, but. Which I don't know if those are the two people, the, the corners of the ring over here, we've got the great chocolate accuser and over here we've got the hunchback of Pannone. I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. Yeah. But he was really worried that his business would drop off because in addition to coffee at their shop, they sold chocolate drinks. And he was afraid, oh, my gosh, if business drops off, I'm going to get fired. He didn't own the shop either. This is mm -hmm. just a guy who worked there who was really worried about his job. And so he, wink, wink, commissioned a report from a doctor that was anonymous about how great chocolate was and then published it, a so defensive like, chocolate. It's like those old tobacco ads that tell you, like, this specific brand is good for your T-zone. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. He was like, no, 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 look, I've got this report from a doctor locally. And he won't give his name, but I swear a doctor definitely wrote this it's, about uh, how great chocolate is. chocolate's great. Uh, basically, all the people who made chocolate jumped in defensive Zeddy and joined his side and... Obviously, chocolate kind of won out. And that's how lobbying was invented. <laughs>
So what's next, Ed? Let's move closer into the the future yet still past of chocolate. Well, Justin, I'd be happy to do that for you, but why don't you head on down to the billing department with me first? Let's go. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Uh, So in the 18th century, chocolate is, at this point, well-established as a medicinal beverage. Um, By now, it's especially recommended that you melt it and add it to milk. Come on, guys. Like, we're on to you. Like, we know. I mean, this is hot chocolate. Mm, It's hot chocolate. I mean, that's great. It's great. It's great. 
It's funny. You can even find uh, it suggested that if you couldn't afford chocolate, because by now, of course, it had spread to the everybody was it was recommended, hey, for your health, eat chocolate. But not everybody could afford to buy it. So you could make like a fake chocolate by toasting flour and then mix it with sugar and milk and egg yolks. Okay, that sounds good. I would actually try that. That's I think. not chocolate. It's not chocolate. Do you remember that cooking show we were watching where somebody tried to make chocolate? Do you remember that lady? It was like the worst cooks or something, and she tried. Oh, she thought worst she could, cooks in America. She thought you could make chocolate by. I don't even remember what she put oh, in there. Oh yeah, I do remember that though. Yeah, she was trying to make chocolate. Holy crap! That was with great. like peanut butter or. I think she was trying. To, yeah, like caro syrup or something. something. I don't know. It's like she didn't know that chocolate was like a like a no. There's cocoa. Like yeah, there's, there's, a, there's something like that thing called chocolate. denotes chocolate. Right. Yeah. No, chocolate's like an actual substance. Uh, in, it's not flat, toasted flour. No, it is not. It's not. Um, in the 19th century, we start to see chocolate in different forms coming into play. And then some famous chocolate names. For instance, uh, John Cadbury. Oh, yeah. Was a Quaker who. You know, they're getting stricter about importing uh, Cadbury uh, chocolate into the U.S. I know. It's going to be a thing. Not, 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 not Cadbury like as we know it, but. British Cadbury chocolate, not is, like it's better Cadbury cream eggs and which Cadbury are great, mini eggs, the, which are great. But Cadbury the dairy mini milks, eggs are basically the best. Oh, the dairy milks. Are, oh man, you guys know how to do chocolate. Sorry, everybody who loves Hershey's, but yeah, there it is. It's yeah. Um, There's no comparison. So John Cadbury was concerned about how much everybody was drinking booze, and he thought, you know, what would be better is if everybody started drinking chocolate instead. Because it's still tasty and it's good for you. So I'm going to start making chocolate and encouraging everybody to drink it and advertising it as good for you. Which obviously turned out well for us all now. Um, Chocolate was also at the time considered a healthier alternative to tea. And so it was encouraged that especially since we had all kinds of kids. Healthier than tea? uh Uh-huh. Chocolate was healthier than tea. So, you know, we've got all these poor kids who were stuck in like factories and workhouses and they were all sickly because they didn't have a lot of food. The thought was like, well, if we could give them each a little bit of chocolate every day, they'd all be healthy. I mean, they'd be happier, I think. They'd definitely be happier. Um, It was linked heavily with energy, with vigor, uh, being, you know, kind of robust. There was that's like really old school. Just the fact that, you know, that that association went back, you know, thousands of years. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, chocolate has always, and I don't know if it's because early on, like the idea of mixing chocolate with sugar is, or, or cocoa with sugar, you know, kind of making chocolate was not like, that was not new. Right. People have been doing that for a very long time. And sugar obviously makes you feel more energetic. Mm-hmm. But um, but I guess just the properties from cocoa alone, people felt better afterwards. So strange. Makes me feel good. Yeah, right. Uh, there was... One testimonial from that time period, I read that there was a husband who was being treated by his doctor with chocolate. His doctor was was had prescribed him drinking some chocolate every evening for some sort of respiratory condition that he had. And his wife decided, you know what, while he's drinking chocolate, I'm going to, I mean, it's good. I'll drink some chocolate too, and it's good for you. So what can it hurt? And uh, the story goes that she ended up getting pregnant, even though she was supposed to be barren chocolate so chocolate will get you pregnant chocolate will get you pregnant i think that's the hope on valentine's day right yep um this is also the same no (laughs) no (laughs) 
No, not that. I don't think. You know what, baby? Tonight, I'm going to get you pregnant. <laughs> isn't Here. that what try, isn't try that what one men are trying the, to do when they give women chocolate? Try one of the coconut caramels. <laughs> They're trying to get you pregnant? Going to impregnate. You're going to be pregnant like this particular uh, bonbon is pregnant with strawberry creme. I better. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell Charlie that to scare. Her. If any boy gives you chocolate, he's trying to get you pregnant. He's trying. Run. Even Come tell mommy. Even if it's Easter Bunny. <laughs> Especially if it's Easter Bunny. Watch out for Santa. Watch out for Santa. He tries to trick you by giving you an orange. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Um, this is also the nice same try. century in which Nestle invented powdered milk chocolate. Um, and this this trend developed of, of milk chocolate at this point. Uh, and, and this was kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand, it was not as healthy mm-hmm. milk chocolate. But on the other hand, this was a powdered thing that everybody could get and keep on your shelf. And so the use of chocolate became much more widespread as a result. Uh, we also see the chocolate bar making its debut. Um, and these different forms of chocolate, like different, not just as a, like a liquid, but like different solids, um, not only led to it being, you know, more widespread just as chocolate, but also being used in medicines in different ways. So like coating pills and tablets and stuff with chocolate mm-hmm. became very popular. Like Miracle Max. Exactly like Miracle Max. That's what you got to do. It helps it go down better. Um, and and the idea of, of health chocolate became a thing as well. So we start to see products because we're, we're kind of moving into the patent medicine era. Mm-hmm. And chocolate played a role in that. And we've talked about this before, like medicines that really contain things like alcohol or cocaine or something, opium, to give you an effect, but nothing that they, nothing like what they advertised it would do. Right. Similarly, chocolate was used this way. So you could see like Dr. Day's chocolate tonic laxative, which just tasted like chocolate. I don't know. Probably, you know, probably was a laxative. We were really good at making laxatives back then. <laughs> that was one of the things we could do. If, if you needed to poop, we could fix we that. We got you. Um, there was also uh, one I liked was Housewalt Vigor Chocolate. Sounds good. You know, even the Heath Bar, which came out oh um, early into the 20th century, the Heath Bar was supposed to be healthy for you. Its original slogan was Heath for Better Health. Nice try, guys. It's literally I mean, it's <laughs> toffee and chocolate. There's not even like nuts to help you make your case. At least Snickers, they're like, you'll be full afterwards. Uh, Snickers' whole campaign is like, eat one of these, you won't want to eat anything else because, oh, what do I do? <laughs> I don't think that's how the ad goes. It's Yeah, that's basically how the ad goes. This is also the century where uh, Milton Hershey makes his debut. And, um, you know, we kind of, that changes the whole concept of chocolate on the U.S. side. Uh, and ads for Hershey's at the time also push chocolate as kind of like a healthy substance. Similar to like, you know, we, we when you see like the old Guinness ads, like Guinness is good for you. They're old Hershey's ads where it's like Hershey's for your health and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so as we move into the 20th century, we initially still have this view that, that chocolate is a health food. Um, and it's even included in, in rations in World War II. Everybody gets a little bit of chocolate, mm-hmm. like all the soldiers, because they need it. It is seen as not just like a, not a treat for our fighting men and women, but our fighting men something at the time. They like something they need to keep the strength in the fight yeah, with the hunt. Yeah, exactly. They, they need the chocolate. Um, but what really what really starts to move chocolate away from a medicine and into the, the just food realm is the assertion that fat is bad for you, which we get later in the 1900s. Ruined everything. Um, <laughs> at this point, because there, you know, 
if you were just talking about the pure cocoa beans, you know, you're not talking about a lot of fat, but the way that we eat chocolate, there is a lot of fat. You know, mm. we eat it with, it's, it's got all the sugar and everything, butter, with the carbohydrates, cream. and then all the butter and cream, to make it whatever, whatever you're going to make out of the chocolate. Um, so chocolate started to be seen as an indulgence and something that wasn't really good for you. And by the 1950s, we see chocolate really just marketed at this point for being yummy and a treat and something decadent and something that you would have like on a special occasion and not something that you would take certainly to, you know, make you healthy. Oh man. But. Oh, it's making a comeback. Now it's yeah, good again. That's not the end of the story. Nowadays, and this, this, I won't say this is really recent. I think that people have been saying this probably for a good 10, 20 years now. There is some evidence that maybe chocolate is good for you. Hmm. especially chocolate that's more chocolate, more cocoa, you know, dark chocolate. And that's where that comes from. The more chocolate that's in there and the less other stuff, the better it's thought to be for you. So we see some, there are some studies that suggest maybe it's heart healthy, like it improves your HDL, your good cholesterol. There's a lot, people always talk about flavonoids. Mm -hmm. I always love to hear that. People ask me like, well, I, I need to eat dark chocolate, right? And drink some red wine for the flavonoids. And it's like, well, I mean... There are probably other ways to get your flavonoids in. Yeah, and you know, I I won't I don't prescribe dark chocolate. I don't think we're back at that point where we start to see chocolate as something that you could actually prescribe people. Right. Um but it definitely is is seen as healthier for you than it was before. It's also maybe an antioxidant. But it's one of those uh, darker the better, right? That's yes, that's generally true with chocolate. I mean, again, just because you're getting more chalk like the actual cocoa. Mm -hmm. I mean, cuz you know, you can't eat 100% chocolate chocolate maybe you can't well i mean it's very bitter Ugh. chocolate has a bitter flavor right like pure chocolate it's bitter and so we should throw the sugar in there so that it tastes good um i used to not be able to eat like even hershey's special dark couldn't do it oh man you're crazy i know but now i I'm love into dark it. chocolate um and let's be honest chocolate is just really good <laughs> So right. I think that it's, I think it's funny. It's probably our nature to try to find a justification for people. eating chocolate. I don't think there is. Just eat it in moderation. It's like anything else. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe dark chocolate is, is a little bit good for you, but eating, you know, that entire platter of chocolate covered Nutter Butters and Oreos that I have downstairs probably isn't. So, you know. So just know what you're doing when you absolutely do eat the entire platter. Of chocolate covered nutter butters <laughs> and graham crackers like we have. Thanks to taxpayers for letting us use their song Medicines as our intro and outro of the program. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to the Maximum Fun Network for having us on. Uh, there's a lot of great shows on there for you to listen to at MaximumFun.org, Lady to Lady, uh, uh, The Goose Down, One Bad Mother is a great show about being a mom. Um, my brother, my brother and me. Thank you, dear. Uh, Judge Donna Hodgman, George Jessica, so many more. Uh, so go check those totally out. We love being on MaximumFun.org, and uh, there's a lot of great shows there, so don't miss them. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, next Tuesday with another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.